Welcome to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. They're a league of lady lawyers in an all-female law firm in Omaha, Nebraska called Hightower Ref Law. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of what it's like to be a lady lawyer and an entrepreneur. Now it's time to talk about the law, share real-life stories about representing clients, and discuss the current events of the week. It's the Lady Lawyer League podcast with Susan Ref and Tracy Hightower Henny. Let's just do it. On today's podcast, we will be talking about child support and the Nebraska Child Support Guidelines. That sounds super exciting. I think it's going to be amazing. We will make it exciting. A we lot have of good, good stories. A lot of good information here today. Yeah. So um, what about like a week ago? Didn't you get a big famous award? Famous. famous. Uh, notorious. Notor- I like the word notorious. Yeah. That con- Major. That connotes negativity, doesn't it? Notorious. No. Um, yes. So I was a recipient of the Toyo Award, which stands for the 10 Outstanding Young Omahans, which was pretty awesome. What is their standard of young? Under <laughs> under 40. So this is my last year in my 30s. And I realized that you just aren't eligible for a lot of things once you turn 40. In fact, I was just at a networking group yesterday um, and they're asking for members to this organization called 100 Women Who Give, I think. And they said, if you're under 40, you don't have to pay as much. And I thought, yep, there it is again. <laughs> well, maybe when you turn 40, you be magically become wealthy. Yeah, that's what they assume. I can tell you from experience that doesn't happen. <laughs> Not at all. Your student loans still aren't paid off yet, no, right? Yeah. No. Not not after 40. Um so you, there was an award ceremony, right? It was outside? Yeah, it was at the Midtown Crossing Turner Park. So, you know, they didn't really know what to plan for COVID, but it turned out really nice. The stage was really big there. And it just was really cool to hear the stories of the other nine people too. I mean, obviously I know my story, but hearing what other rad things people are doing in Omaha, other young professionals, which... I'm sure the people over 40 are also doing cool things, but yeah, it's pretty great. Well, that's the um, 10 Outstanding Elderly Omahans Award. (laughs) So what is that? Toyo? Toe, T-O-E, O. Toyo. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like Toyo. (laughs) It it doesn't exist, but maybe maybe it will. Yeah, so yeah. Well, congratulations. That's really exciting. Thanks. What's new with you? So I've been trying to work out in the morning. Like I'm trying to develop this habit, right? And they say you have to do something, I don't know what, for 12 weeks to develop it as a habit where it's easy for you. Um, it doesn't feel like a habit at all. It feels like a chore and a burden and I hate it. I've, cre- I've developed a habit um, of eating at least three times a day. <laughs> Probably when you were really young and you didn't even have to think about it. That's been working for me. Yeah. But you're the type of person that if something gets put on your calendar, you have to do it. So are you putting your workouts on your calendar? Yes. My workouts are on my calendar. I I once um, tried to put a bedtime on my calendar <laughs> <laughs> so that I would go to bed at a certain time. How did that work out? Um, it didn't work because while you're developing one new habit, you're breaking an old habit. And that's the hard thing because I'm I'm definitely not a morning person. 
I'm more of an evening person, but my days are so busy and the morning is just the best time of day to get the workout in. And once I, once I'm up, I, I'm fine, but, and I'm doing all the tricks like lay your clothes out the night before, um, have everything you need by the door, uh, all that. So, so how many days in are you one? No, I've, I've been doing it. Well, I'm not working out every morning, but I've been doing a few of my normal workouts in the morning for about three weeks. So good for you. I can't say it's a habit yet. <laughs> I did skip one. I did skip one. Was that one on your calendar? No, that one was not on my calendar. That's why that, you skipped it. And it was Monday. It was a Monday. Ooh, so. so you have to decide maybe Mondays aren't your day. Right. Yeah, that, that might be my, my uh, grace to myself. There you go. So, so let's talk about child yeah. support. Yeah, child support. It, you know, it, it's a topic that it's it seems from our angle i think from the attorney angle it's a pretty black and white part of the case but i think to clients it is definitely a rainbow of colors or a gray area of all things yes so when i describe the child support calculator we actually have a calculator in nebraska that was developed by um, a very very smart attorney friend of ours um and it's a software program that we literally input numbers into like income, um, health insurance costs and things like that. And then it spits out a number and it says, based on all of these um, pieces of information that you input into the calculator, here's who should pay what amount of child support. So I usually explain it as pretty black and white for clients, but each one of those pieces of information can be gray. Right. The, um, you know, it, and the more you work with a calculator, the more nuanced certain cases can be too, right? It's it's not always just income and then a number, so. And it's not a calculator like the TI-80, what was it? Texas Instruments. Yeah, so we're not talking about a Texas Instrument calculator. The one that, right, our algebra teachers said, you're not always gonna have a calculator and then right. now we have our phones, but. Right, it, it, it <laughs> It's a software program that we can put numbers into and and hit calculate and get a number. And here's the first piece of advice that you're going to take away from today, and we're going to start right off the bat. There is the calculator available to lay people, which means non-lawyers. You are welcome to use it. It is available for you. Do not take it as gold because you probably don't know how to put the information in correctly. Or potentially interpret the outcomes. Right. So so use it as a starting point, but then it needs to really be reviewed either by a judge or a lawyer. So the first thing that goes into the child support calculator is each party's, so parent one and parent two's incomes. And their incomes, it's pretty broad what the child support guidelines say is considered income. It, it says income derived from any and all sources. So income sounds pretty easy, right? Sure. And it is in some cases where someone's working, you know, a 40-hour-a-week job or a salaried job, and they get one pay stub and one W-2 every year. But what happens when you add the person in who is self-employed or unemployed or part-time employed 
or is receiving disability income. Or potentially has three part-time jobs. (laughs) Right. So when we look at, as lawyers, how to define income in a certain situation, we have to look at all the facts and circumstances of those two parents. So we may have one parent who has super simple W-2 income, and the, the, the first important thing is that it's gross income that gets used in the calculator. So it's... You know, ew, gross. Ew, sick. Wait, what does gross mean? So, gross income. Yeah, gross income is the income that you get paid as your salary or hourly before taxes are taken out. So it is not your take-home pay. Gross is before taxes. Yes. Okay. And net is after taxes, which is not the opposite of gross. That would be clean or neat or Google synonym. Yeah. What what is the opposite of gross? I don't know. We'll come up with it before the end of the episode. So we look at the income of each party. I think the one thing that always becomes interesting is when our client says that's not his or her true income. And so we're talking about the opposing party or we have someone whose actual earning capacity is different than their actual income. So that is an exception to income. If we can make an argument that someone's earning capacity is different, we want to use that that income um, in the child support calculator. So that could be for our client or the opposing party. Right, and earning capacity could be something where someone is underemployed you know, they have an advanced degree and all of a sudden they're, you know, not working in that field and they're working, you know, an entry-level job or someone is not working full-time. Yes. And they could be, they could be. There's nothing stopping them from working full-time. So I often use the example for clients of earning capacity in the sense that you can't have one spouse as a brain surgeon if you listen to our first episode, you know that Susan and I both desired to be brain surgeons <laughs> as children. But um, so you can't have one party be a brain surgeon and then think about filing for divorce, quit their job as a brain surgeon, and then work at a minimum wage job, right? You can't go from $500,000 a year to $9.50 an hour and decide that that's going to be your income for the child support calculator. Your earning capacity is actually $500,000 a year. So don't do that. Well, or if you do do that, know that you're not being super sneaky. You're not pulling the wool over anyone's eyes. Lawyers have seen it all. Judges have seen it all. Everyone knows you were a brain surgeon yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, especially your spouse who was living with you during the time that you were doing the brain surgery. Um, So yeah, so income... um, People also receive income that they don't get taxed on that might be separate from their regular income. Yeah, oftentimes we have military um, spouses or opposing party is in the military, and military folks receive housing and sustenance income, and those are not taxed. So that gets included in the child support calculator, and there's a separate line for non-taxable income. And that actually increases the income in the child support calculator because it doesn't come out of the net or it's not considered, it's considered net already, it's not gross, it's not icky. Right. <laughs> right, So the and so the next part of the child support calculator, it 
it factors out the taxes for us. We don't have to do that. So that's why we put in the gross income instead of the net. Yeah, so it assumes that um, someone has federal tax withheld and Nebraska state tax withheld. So sometimes we do have people who work in a different state. So we might have to adjust that a little bit in an other deduction area in the child support calculator. So really drilling into the pay stub and looking at what are the actual taxes paid and withheld from someone's pay stub. The child support calculator also gives a deduction for health insurance premiums. Right. So once we figure out income, we go into the deduction area. So um, there's a lot of different ways that we look at um, which deductions are are available um, and then at what amounts. And there's some maximums on some deductions for um, health insurance, retirement contributions. Um, You may have another deduction if you pay child support for another child with a different parent. So I had a case with a fairly high earning person and because this person's income was pretty high when they were married, the couple had decided let's take, let's put more from her retirement in more from her paycheck into her retirement. And so they were, Um, depositing the max, you know, that the law allows into that 401k every year, which is more than 4%, which is what the child support calculator allows you to max out at. It can't be more than 4%. Right. You can't put your entire paycheck into your retirement account and then say, well, there's my deduction. I don't earn very much. I don't need to pay child support. Right. And so my client knew this when so when we were factoring child support, he told me, you know, hey, make sure that um, he didn't know that there was a 4%. He was only thinking her take-home pay is pretty low because a lot of her money's going into the 401k. So he said to me, you know, well, her take-home's really low, so is that what goes into the child support calculator? And then I explained to him, no, it's it's the the net amount and or the gross, so that he then could see that it was her actual earnings, not her take-home. Right. So the the actual calculator, the software program that we use, is all derived from the statutory language in Nebraska, which says what Susan just described is that you get an allowable deduction of up to 4% of your gross income as a retirement deduction. There are some slight exceptions to that, that if you're required to um, pay more into your retirement program at your employer, then you might get uh, a miscellaneous other deduction. But most people are not required to pay in more than 4% of their gross income. Often it has to do with what your employer matches. And some people don't pay anything into retirement. Right. So there's... So then you don't get that deduction. (laughs) Theirs would be zero. So the other deduction um, that we briefly mentioned is a health insurance premium cost. So it it gets really important that we drill into that number pretty closely when we figure out the child support calculator figures because um, we break that number out into how much does it cost to cover the children on health insurance and how much does it cost to cover each parent. So if we're starting in a divorce scenario, we have typically a family plan, one One party usually has the health insurance plan. They cover both spouses and the kids. So we have to get information that breaks that out into how much is it to cover just the employee, 
how much is it to cover the employee plus spouse? So we can subtract those two to arrive at just the employee. And then how much is it to cover employee plus children? And we can, you know, do backwards math that way, which we definitely need a calculator when I do it. Texas Instruments. Yeah. Um, right now we have a just a, you know, Office Depot $1.99 one sitting here. Uh, it's, does Texas Instruments still make them? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And you still have to buy them probably for high school, like $800. Yes. So, um, you know, we get the information of how much it is to break out the health insurance premium. And often one spouse is going to need to get their health insurance coverage, um, you know, post decree or when the divorce is final. So it's important that we get that information of what a, a future estimate is going to be to cover yourself. So you get up to a 5% of your gross income as a maximum deduction on the child support calculator. And if... Health insurance can be really expensive, especially if you're buying it on the marketplace. Um, so what happens if it's more than 5% of your gross income? The calculator takes it down. So you can put in, you know, maybe someone's income is $1,500 gross a month and they're paying $500 premium. I was going to say, how are you going to calculate I'm that not, 5%? I'm actually head, not. But you just did 500 you know is more than 5%. Yeah. Yep. Actually, it's not. Yes, it is. It's like 30%. Let me get the Texas instrument. Yeah, it's like 30%. So the child support calculator will just automatically... It's 33%. Good good job. Take, <laughs> take that number down. And um, I think on the actual calculator, when you're looking at it on the computer screen, there's a little, a little bubble that if you click on it, will tell the lawyer, you know this was more than 5%, so we took it down. There's an info bubble? But, you know, it, it doesn't spell that out on the printed version or the one that people see, the judge sees. So there is the ability, there's a miscellaneous deduction spot on the child support calculator that if you're paying more than 5% of your gross income, you can um, take your extra deduction. Sometimes, obviously, you may have a disagreement by the opposing party because that will ultimately affect the child support number at the end. So the, um, the future coverage thing, I think, can be really hairy, too. Um, I had that come up in a case where the family plan was going to last throughout the entire divorce, and the spouse that was going to go on their individual plan wanted to get credit for that at a temporary. So before, the f before it was over, she wanted to get credit for her own premium and she actually had gone out and already purchased it. So she was double covered, which is, I mean, for someone with no health concerns, it, it was just kind of seemed silly. I think it was a control play. Um, ultimately the judge said, no, I'm not giving you credit for it because you already have it. Go cancel that policy and save money. Yeah. Okay, so the next part of the child support calculator is um, a determination of how many days of parenting time parents will have. And this is where the child support calculator can get... This is where it's manipulated. Yes, can get <laughs> manipulated. So when we go back to a couple episodes ago where we talked about you know determining what your parenting time is going to be, we often will describe the child support calculator as very independent of what your parenting plan is. But 
because people know that your child support figures is taking into account the number of overnights you have with your children, people often will say, well, I want joint custody um, in order to pay less or receive more in child support. And it's, you know, that's a very elementary way to look at the child support calculator, right? Because there's so much more that goes in the child support bucket than just this child support payment that the calculator gives us. Yes. There's also childcare expenses, which in, are under this umbrella of child support. And there's out-of-pocket medical expenses. And then sometimes, um, in some cases, we're sharing just regular expenses for kids. So like extracurricular activities and things like that. So when one parent has primary physical custody, you still have to split daycare and you still have to split out-of-pocket medical. Yeah, and it's not always equal. So there's a percentage that comes out of the child support calculator, and that percentage is actually derived from the income disparity between the two parties. So you're going to share childcare expenses and out-of-pocket medical expenses based on that percentage. So if one person earns more than the other person, it's they're going to be paying more of childcare or out-of-pocket medical expenses. So it may be 60-40, it may be 70-30, and it might be 50-50, or any number, other variation of numbers that adds up to 100. And then if there's joint custody, so this is what people say like, oh, well, if I earn more money, I better go for joint custody so I have less in child support. Well, you might make up the difference for that in your percentage of shared expenses because you're also going to be then sharing the extracurricular, the school uniforms, the French horn, you know, all of that. You're going to be splitting all of that. And that can make up, a diff- you know, the difference in what the child support would have been if it was primary custody versus joint custody. Yeah, so... When you have joint custody, it's there's a range of overnights that each parent has to have. And when you have joint custody, you're going to share expenses that the child support guidelines specifically call necessary and direct expenditures, including clothing and extracurricular activities. That's the end quote. And oftentimes we'll spell out a lot more uh, what specific expenses the parents want to share. And so we'll usually talk about are they going to actually share clothing expenses or not? Um, sometimes parents decide, no, we're just going to each buy about half the clothes. We're not going to, you know, piddle about, um, socks and underwear. Um, I have have one, one good story. Um, we had a divorce that they had 50, 50 custody. So we were going to be in the sharing of expenses and we were drilling down into the details of what expenses were going to get shared. And they were pretty much on the same page with everything. They wanted to share all the expenses the, the children were not yet of driving age. They were maybe 10 and 9, maybe. So they're not, they're not even close to having a car. Um, they just maybe started having cell phones. So they knew, these two parents knew they wanted to be able to share these expenses. Then um, one parent said, well, our daughter really likes to read and I buy her books all the time. And the dad said, yeah, I'm not sharing in that expense. And here I am, the book lover, and this was actually a collaborative case, so we were literally in a four-way meeting, and I, this was pre-COVID, so I wasn't wearing a mask, I could not contain my facial expression, there was eye rolling, 
And, you know, in that discussion, ultimately it ended up being that um, they're going to share in the book expenses um, for this child. And, you know, we ended up talking about whether the book reading is a positive activity that this child does or not. And oh, my it, gosh. It, I just couldn't believe it. So I fully supported buying all the books for this child, but that obviously wasn't my decision. The, and this one gets really tough, too, especially when the kids are like middle school. The parents fight about, are we going to include car insurance? Are we going to include a car payment? Are we going to include... Prom expenses. Yeah, prom, senior pictures. So it's, it's really interesting. And I think the funny story is that we, when we actually have the clients who have those aged children who are going to go through prom, they actually know how expensive those things are. And so we, and it sometimes it's the dads that say, well, but all the prom expenses include getting your nails done and getting your hair done. And that's expensive. I'm not paying for that. And you you literally look at the parent and say, but you had been paying for that. Well, I think that that's the overarching theme is with child support. I had a client tell me this one time. He said, I don't care what the number is. I'm already paying, you know, the in, in this case, the, his wife was a stay-at-home mom. He's like, I'm already paying all the household expenses. Why, why would it be any different now? So I thought that that was some very good insight. But, you know, in the majority of cases where the kids are those ages, I try to have those conversations of what are what are your plans for a car for the kids, um, cell phones, how are you planning to split that? Um, and parents usually can kind of, well, not usually, we hope can come to an agreement on these things and we can spell them out. But another interesting thing that that I've used is when they're sharing expenses, any expense over a certain dollar amount, there has to be a discussion. So uh, dad can't just go out and buy, you know, $250 worth of clothes every time the kids are with him and then say, okay, mom, now you owe me your percentage. Or one pair of $200 designer jeans. Right. Back in the day, those were Jabot for me. Guest jeans. And guess. Guest jeans. And I think they were $100. Back in the day. I don't remember, but yeah, they were expensive. I think we found them at JCPenney, you know, like the previous year's design, and I was ecstatic. I had, uh, my mom had a friend who had older daughters, and I got a lot of hand-me-downs, and they got they had a lot of name-brand clothing, so that was pretty cool that I got those. Well, I think that, you know, one thing to leave with, too, as we end our child support discussion is it's really important not to compare your child support scenario with neighbor Joe. Have we talked about neighbor Joe yet? I think maybe, maybe that was plumber Joe. Your neighbor is also a plumber and also has gone through a divorce and child support. But I almost all the time when we're doing a consultation with a potential client who presumes they're going to be the paying party, they've talked ad nauseum with their friends about how much they pay in child support. And they just think that there's like a number that gets plucked out of the air. Like, oh, well, neighbor Joe's paying $200 a month, so that's how much I'm going to pay. And I always tell those people, you have no idea how much neighbor Joe makes or how much he contributes to his retirement account or how much his premium of health insurance is. So all of those 
teeny tiny factors can make a huge difference in the end number. And the child support calculator itself changes. Yes. I think they review it yearly and then make changes as needed, but it seems to be every couple years it changes pretty majorly. And that's based on the tax code. Right. So, so those two things, don't compare your situation with others, um, especially neighbor Joe, um, and then don't try to do your own calculator, or at least only use it as a starting point. Guideline. Yeah. Not even a guideline, because it's called the Child Support Guidelines. It should be... Uh, yeah, it's kind of like how you Google something, right? Don't don't Google your medical symptoms and then treat yourself that way. You're not a doctor. You're also not a lawyer. Come Re- talk to your lady lawyer league. Re- yeah, rely on an expert to help you with your child support calculator. Yes, and thankfully it's not a Texas instrument. We have the actual calculator because those are expensive. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We will see you next week. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. And be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about our firm, Hightower Ref Law, please visit our website at hrlawomaha.com. We'll see you next week.